0: Wait, 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 wait,
1: wait, 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 What? We got a little carried away last week. When what do we were, you mean? When we were spreading the gospel of homebrew in paradise. Hops 316? So apparently, one, we mentioned something about whiskey. Yes. Uh, and apparently you can't actually advertise that you sell whiskey or make whiskey and you can't buy products to make whiskey with because it is illegal. Oh. So there is absolutely no whiskey Or whiskey brewing, excuse me, whiskey distilling equipment to be found or made at Homebrew in Paradise, but they can still help you out with literally everything else we mentioned.
0: You've actually learned so much just in our brief time of being sponsored by them that you knew the difference between whiskey brewing and whiskey distilling.
1: These guys, I mean, these guys know so much about beer, they even know the science of beer, biology, chemistry, everything. You know, Bill casually uses words like isomerization, and he can list like 20 types of amino acids. Can you do that?
0: I can list. I remember he said the word riboflavin.
1: Riboflavin? I don't even know what riboflavin is. Uh, Well, neither do I. But audience? If you want to make wine. And if you want to learn about riboflavin. If you want to make beer. And riboflavin. If you
0: want to learn to make your own kimchi, fermented foods, or you're just like, hey, maybe I just want to talk to somebody who knows about all this stuff. Get yourself down to homebrew in paradise
1: Located at 740 Mo'ova'a Street in Kalikai. Bill and Chris, they'll help you learn.
0: Homebrew in paradise.
1: Paradise. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how do you stop Canadian bacon from curling in the pan? I have no idea. You take away its tiny broom. That's the best joke I've ever
0: heard. I, listeners, if you're hearing that joke, please pull over right now. It's not worth it to die in a wreck from laughter. Where you're laughing so hard you can't see, tears are streaming down your face. Just be be safe. Take care of yourself. Uh, it is it is the Olympics right it is, now. It is. Yeah, oh,
1: those are good. Do you see the uh, the German pairs figure skating? No. Well,
0: I haven't watched much of the Olympics. I confess to that.
1: Okay. Well, what did you do this week?
0: Well, it was Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. I spent Valentine's Day at a former blue Hawaii podcast restaurant shout out of the week waikiki brewing company hey. i ate their barbecue again it was phenomenal also ash wednesday
1: yep shout out catholic listeners please don't give us up for lent yep 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 do you do you know Erin uh, gloria ryan uh, i think she writes for the daily beast sure she tweeted like the best thing uh Valentine's Day falling on Ash Wednesday is like the super moon of Catholic sexual guilt. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. Friday, uh, Lunar New Year, Kung <laughs> Hee Fat Choi. Kung He Fat Choy. Yeah, which means that our bosses bought us lunch because they're nice people. Not my boss, but uh, my our co- uh, I went out to Chinese New Year lunch. Well, I guess technically it was. It's all Lunar New Year, not just Chinese New Year. But mm-hmm. the my colleague who organized it said it was Chinese New Year, so we we went there. But okay. Uh, we went to Piggy Smalls, Ooh. which was delicious, but not our restaurant rec of the week.
0: I spent my Friday night last night. We record on Saturdays at another former Blue Hawaii podcast restaurant pick of the week. We we need to start branching out. You know, you know where I went. You went to Dagon. You God dang right, I did. <laughs> I went to Dagon last night. I got that Dagon tea leaf salad. Do
1: the, do the Burmese celebrate Lunar New Year? I don't know. That's something to find out.
0: What's your sign? Capricorn. What's your zodiac? Capricorn. What's your Chinese zodiac? That's not a.
1: Oh, uh, so oh, because I'm a dumb Howley, and I've been I was calculating, you know, from the uh, Gregorian calendar new year. I always thought I was a horse, but it turns out I'm actually a snake.
0: I'm a snake too. Let's
2: do the drop. I'm trying to tell the world I'm nothing to be trifled with.
1: Staying hotter than some rifles.
0: Welcome to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Josh Michaels.
1: I'm Ryan Little. Here's the plan. We're going to tell you what we did this week. We're going to do a shotgun rapid fire news rant. And we're going to have a really interesting guest on. What's that guest talking about? Anthony Ching, the former head of the Hawaii Community Development Authority, otherwise known as the HCDA, is going to talk to us about affordable housing and the concrete jungle known as Kakako and what the future looks like in Honolulu.
0: Is affordable housing an important issue?
1: Only if you care about money or friends or family or the place you grew up or shelter or not being trapped in the hamster wheel of debt not being trapped in the hamster wheel of debt okay so it is important it's gonna be fun but first we got a really nice piece of mail this week we sure did ladies and gentlemen if you listened last week we had ashley
0: loa who's the housing coordinator at family promise of hawaii on the pod ashley shared her episode with her social media following and had a client of hers reach out and say, basically, Family Promise is as legit as Ashley said they were. And we asked her for a little bit more on her story. And with her permission, we're going to keep her anonymous. I want to just read you guys the letter that she sent us. She said, I'm writing my story on behalf of Ashley Loa, the Family Promise of Hawaii housing specialist, who was recently on the podcast about homelessness. Family Promise has helped my Ohana achieve success to start a new beginning. I'm a single mother of three children under the age of 10. My Ohana became homeless shortly after property management raised our rent from $1,500 to $2,000 per month. Not at all uncommon in Hawaii, unfortunately. This soon made it hard to keep up, and I started to get behind payments and was eventually evicted. My ohana had nowhere to go. We have family, but burnt bridges. We went from sleeping in our car to sleeping on friends' couches. Every day was different. Not knowing where my ohana would be sleeping, let alone shower. I ended up losing my job because of the cost of childcare. The simplest things in life seemed to get harder to do for my ohana. I applied to different emergency shelters. They, of course, have a limit of families they can help, and my ohana was put on the wait list. Everywhere I turned, I got shut down felt like there was no hope until my friend referred me to family promise who she and her ohana used in their program i gave them a call did intake with them my ohana qualified at first we were in the diversion program which is the day program where we can wash clothes get something to eat and even shower when bed space came available my children and i were able to be in the night program family promise has provided support budgeting literacy personal essentials housing assistance as well as just being a friend. Family Promise provided the hope for my Ohana that I will be able to prosper again. This was just a bump in the road. I got a job within the first month being in the program, found childcare as well. Family Promise even helped me pick up my children from their schools when I would finish work late. They helped budget my money so I could put a down payment for a place. And Family Promise has been there for my Ohana throughout my stay in their program and even when we exited Family Promise with their aftercare program. It's only been a month since leaving Family Promise. My Ohana has found a place through the help of Ashley Loa, again, the awesome guest and Family Promise housing specialist we had on last week. Shout out. Two bedrooms in the new permanent housing called Kahauiki Village off of Nimitz Viaduct. I'm working two jobs and just signed on to a new job in the union at a nursing home. I was even able to purchase a vehicle to make my Ohana's life a little easier. All of these blessings were made possible through Family Promise, who have opened the door to my and getting back onto our feet. My ohana thanks Family Promise from the bottoms of our hearts for taking us in and allowing us to accomplish goals and take the steps to achieve the biggest goal of all, a roof over my head, a place to call our home. That's awesome. That's freaking awesome. Listen, Kudos to you, letter yeah. writer. Uh, you're crushing it. You've got a great job lined up. You've got housing over your family's head. You've got your kids doing well. And all of that was made possible by... Family Promise of Hawaii. And specifically the work of Ashley Loa.
1: Listeners, listeners, if you want to help, go check them out. They've got a list of the what they need, suggested donations, anything. If you can give time, money, goods.
0: And as we said last week... Uh, Josh and I are not going to ask you to do What we're not willing to do So we are totally donating And we encourage you all to do the same It's great to support great local organizations uh, Especially ones that are doing such Amazing work Support Family Promise of Hawaii Have you seen Huey Lewis? I opened for him once Because I've got the news Oh I didn't see that joke coming (laughs) (laughs) Top news story in the United States right now Parkland, Florida Another in a string
1: of mass murders
0: of children.
1: 14 kids and three members of staff were killed in a high school. And
0: Republican Congress has done absolutely nothing about it.
1: continue to be paralyzed and incapable of moving past the same debate. Um, You know, just remember, Republicans got their NRA money. The Trump campaign got $17 million.
0: $17 million. He had
1: Wayne LaPierre at a party at the White House on the anniversary of the Sandy Hook massacre. Which is
0: probably the most callous thing that you could
1: ever do. And honestly, like, once we had that, and as a country, we saw 20 first graders, like, just riddled with bullets, and we didn't do anything, that was kind of it for me. That was when I knew, you know...
0: The false equivalency yeah. charade was over there's yeah. no more there's no more both sides argument no whenever you have one side who wants to do something to stop you know children from being shot to death at mm-hmm. school or to stop concert goers from being you know sniped yeah. not literally sniped because it was actually just volleys of bullets falling from the sky yeah
1: uh, if it's a if it's a if it's a muslim you put the travel ban. If it's a Hispanic, you build the wall. If it's a black person, more cops, more prisons. If it's a white person, thoughts and prayers. It's disgusting. And you all know that uh, because you
0: probably wouldn't be listening to our podcast. We're preaching to the choir. But if you are the type of gun owner who thinks that there's nothing wrong with our gun laws, who thinks that this is purely just the mental health problem, who thinks that AR-15s should be accessible to 17 year old
1: children that are very obviously well 19 19
0: right? year old children
1: very obvious well not a child
0: not a child they, yeah
1: let's let's not let's not you know when it whenever when something like this happens you know the the excuses come oh you know he he had a rough life he was adopted mike nobody, brown was not a child no in the media's mike, eyes yeah and mike brown you know
0: adam Lanza was a child yeah uh nick was it nick cruz yeah what was his kid's name he's a child he's a grown ass man yeah
1: Mike Brown was not a child. No, even you know, even Tamir Rice, the twelve-year-old who was playing with a BB gun in the park, got less sympathy than these people. You know, they took, Dylan Roof they got they captured took, alive. Yeah, they took him alive, and of course, it was really interesting. Um, the white supremacist group Republic of Florida, which is a Paramilitary hate group, not se-
0: actually a republic,
1: seeking to establish a white ethno state in the state of Florida. Uh, claimed the shooter was a member, and then later it turned out that might have been a hoax. We don't actually know. But even if he was not f- officially affiliated with this Republic of Florida group, you know, he got potentially a gun training from them. And even if he wasn't official, you know, c- possibly shared some of the ideology. Sure. um And essentially, you know, if we're not going to do anything about guns can we at least do something about Nazis you know these losers want to kill Americans so instead of these sympathetic lost boy profiles you need to start covering them the way you would cover Isis absolutely imagine, imagine if Isis opened up a training camp in Florida you know that's what's going on right now with these with these these kids hard are hard right lunatic groups
0: this guy was watching videos on the internet he was on all sorts of message boards and yeah. chat rooms the guy was radicalized online he was the wearing same his MAGA way hat, talking about wanting to murder Antifa. The same way that any Muslim group that yeah. we're currently at war with looks is, for their lost their own lost boys. They're, they they're, they're finding them the yeah. same way. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week. I've got family members who mm-hmm. experience the same thing. It starts with info wars, it starts with whatever. And it turns into, hey, I have you're less than human. You're subhuman. Yeah. And that's with all due regard to a certain group of Nazi listeners yeah. who listen to us pretty regularly. Yeah, shout out to you. You know who you are.
1: You know we, we we mentioned it earlier like Mike you know they said oh well Mike Brown was no angel. You know what? At least Mike Brown didn't want to exterminate my family.
0: Yeah, the guy the guy literally felt threatened and went on the offensive against one person. He didn't bring a, you know, assault rifle yeah. into a school full of children. Yeah. And open up fire and obviously you know that's that's without any sort of uh,
1: George Zimmerman is walking around today yeah exactly Trayvon it, Martin isn't
0: is Trayvon Martin wasn't a child
1: right <sighs> but Nick Cruz is a child uh, you know and and the Republicans who you know could give two shits about the state of mental health in this country the state of healthcare in this country are scapegoating you know mental health kids growing up with issues you know high school is hard enough man like i listened to nirvana and marilyn manson in high school i played grand theft auto like was am i a danger you know i'm sure
0: well they say all that while they you know just try to cut what 24 million from yeah. mental health programs no, in like, the united states oh there's nothing we can do it's, about it's it. the most disingenuous argument yeah.
1: that there is the laws won't work Florida banned two live crew because they didn't want teenagers to hear the word. Well, we won't say the word, but you know, Florida. I mean, come on, come on. It's it's disgusting.
0: Florida is also notably the laboratory for the NRA. They are the proving ground yeah. for every single whack job quack law yeah. that they can potentially think up At,
1: now that they don't have now that they don't have obama is going to come take your guns to scare people they're putting people like dana loesch and their other like weirdos they're making these videos talking about you know basically just to rile up scared right-wing white people they're saying Antifa's coming for your guns they're going to disrespect our president blah 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 this that this that you know what if you're the
0: gun owner that thinks that there's nothing wrong with, with what the NRA is doing, yeah. or if you're the gun owner that's not in favor of even the most minimal of gun or safety even, laws, yeah. like background checks and you know uh, denying guns to people with pre-existing mm-hmm. mental health issues or domestic abusers, you are part of the problem.
1: This is getting. We're we're gonna put a pin in this for now. In, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna talk to one of our good friends who is a very uh, enthusiastic gun owner, gun enthusiast. Responsible
0: partic- gun owner resp- as well. Very
1: responsible gun owner. He participates in shooting competitions. He has all sorts of different you know, guns. He, he's educated. He knows how to use them safely. He's going to talk to us about why ordinary responsible gun owners are freaking fed up with this NRA bullshit.
0: As a parting thought, I just want to put a bow on it and say, if you're one of the seemingly millions of americans that loved your guns more than they would love the safety of even one child you suck as a human and need to reevaluate your life amen now on to a new segment we're calling it the news in five minutes
1: here we go bobby muller uh has charged 13 russian nationals and three russian entities with freaking around with our elections so donald trump Not so fake news. Watch this space. We'll have more on it as we go forward. You know those guys are going to get charged. Oh, they're all guilty. Bunga Bunga is back. Silvio Berlusconi has announced that he is making his his great return to Italian politics. He's running for prime minister. If there's one thing we need, it's
0: another adultering philanderer uh, with nationalist views running around a major
1: European power. As listeners may know, Berlusconi had to spend several years in the political wilderness following his being accused of having sex with an underage prostitute. But, according to reports, his center-right party, Forza Italia, has a serious chance of winning next month's election. Berlusconi is pledging to raise pensions, cut taxes, and deport 600,000 migrants.
0: That's not how economics work. Can't cut taxes and raise pensions. But,
1: hey, we're going to whip up a bunch of racist Italians and throw out the Africans, so he'll probably get some votes anyway. For At least the good thing is we know that people are racist everywhere and not just at home. <sighs> Donald Trump finally spoke out. He said, quote, I am opposed to domestic violence of any kind. So uh, Don Jr., Eric, That's a
0: really hard line stance yeah. for him. Wow. Well, what a He brave,
1: really. Brave. Yeah. Brave, wow. patriotic. Our He's brave really president. risking
0: some political capital so, there.
1: So Don Jr., Eric, Ivanka, go ask your mother what she thinks about that. Read the transcript from their divorce proceedings and get back to us. Also, the FBI. For those
0: of you who haven't read it, he raped her.
1: Uh, and tore her hair out. That's domestic violence. That's domestic violence. Our president. Is a domestic abuser. Uh, The FBI also confirmed that the White House was lying about Rob Porter and said, uh, Excuse me, GASP! Director Ray testified, uh, they knew as early as last July this guy was a wife beater. Now, of course, Trey Gowdy says the House GOP is gonna investigate the White House's handling of the Rob Porter situation and all their security clearance mismanagement. Uh, convenient that Trey Gowdy waits until he's retiring to do any of this, but how many hearings did he have about Benghazi?
0: Trey Gowdy, purveyor of haircuts most likely to be seen on the male characters in Avatar. Uh,
1: Trump, uh, issued his budget. It totally eliminates the public service loan forgiveness program, which is great. Thanks for nothing, Trump and Betsy. Uh, and also eliminates SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, and turns it into basically a box of canned goods that America's poor families will get.
0: If I didn't know any better... I would say maybe they don't seem to care about poor people that much.
1: At Daniel Dale, excuse me, Daniel Dale 8, uh, reporter for the Toronto Sun, uh, report, Shocking anti-hunger advocates, the Trump admin is proposing to replace half of food stamp money with a box of government-selected food they deliver monthly. They call it a harvest box, even though it wouldn't include anything fresh. Well, the
0: harvest part is because we're harvesting poor people from the population.
1: This story is wild. Political reports nobody, even in the conservative policy world, has been advocating this. The Trump administration says Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue championed the idea. Notable former ag industry executive Sonny Perdue, I might add. Oh, God. Now you get a box of canned goods... And the Walmart family gets six more yachts and a $1.5 trillion tax cut. Because you know it's coming for Walmart. Uh, You know, shout out to Elizabeth Brunig. She summed it up perfectly on Twitter, at eBrunig. People who get very enthusiastic about policing what poor people eat are such a disturbing breed. Systematic, bureaucratic sadism is far more destructive than direct, passionate, interpersonal sadism. And now the government is saying, oh, think of this box the way you would think of Blue Apron. Blue Apron, my ass. Just ask Puerto Rico how that government food delivery is going.
0: Uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, the government contracted a woman to provide how many meals? 500,000? Something like that. And she provided, no, I think it was even more than 500,000. She provided about 25,000. It was a solo operation, if I recall correctly. But shout out Blue Apron. We would love to have you as a sponsor. Now You're sponsoring every other podcast in the world, it seems like. We could go and on, you need to expand Hawaii eventually.
1: Eventually. We could go on about Trump all day, but real quick, we'll just wrap it up. Uh, His cabinet and their loved ones are back in the news again. You know, Trump said he would only hire the best people. Louise Linton, our very own wannabe Scottish-American Marie Antoinette, uh, gave an interview to Elle in which she said she was, quote, just a regular girl and, quote, super-duper sorry about the photo of her holding a sheet of dollar bills and her uh, descent from the private jet. She and her husband, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, chartered down to Kentucky to watch the horse races. EPA head Scott Pruitt says he needs to fly first class at taxpayers' expense because of, quote, unpleasant interactions with other passengers, end quote. And uh, it turns out someone once yelled, quote, you're fucking up the environment.
0: Which is true. Which
1: is true. But now because of that, he's decided he needs to use your money to fly first class.
0: And he flies a lot. Snowflake needs a safe space. I don't understand how Louise Linton's PR person, nope. let that interview go.
1: Louise Linton, get a new PR lady. You
0: the, I hate. I think that we use the term Marie Antoinette a little loosely in this country for people who have wealth and are tone deaf on things. But she truly does appear. I mean, who says I'm super duper sorry? For a flap that offended half the
1: country. Oh, you know, my husband, he knows so much about the economy. I just love him. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm
0: super You're super duper sorry when you bump into somebody with your cart at the grocery store. I'm super
1: duper sorry I got on Instagram and like berated an average middle class. I berated poor people for not contributing. What? Uh, The secretary (laughs) of the...
0: Not just like I'm appalled at my behavior and I'm seeking counsel with a diverse group of people who's going to help me better myself. It's... I'm super
1: duper sorry. Oh god, oh shucks.
0: Oh shucks. Just me, uh, old also,
1: also, uh, the Secretary of the Veterans Administration, David Shulkin, his chief of staff just resigned because she lied to ethics officials and got taxpayers to cover Shulkin's wife's expenses on their vacation to Europe. So he's probably on the way out. Essentially Is the, he on the way out though? He says he is. He probably isn't. The you know, Tom Price secretary, same thing. He resigned, you know. He said, oh, it's okay, I'm going to pay it all back. And he ended up paying his share of the seat as opposed to, I don't know, the whole chartered plane expense. Long story short, the contempt Trump and his cabinet have for ordinary working Americans is flabbergasting.
0: Palpable, some might say.
1: Also, in Seattle, the Chief Counsel for the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE the modern day ice baby (laughs) the modern day Gestapo the
0: reason ice ice baby funny thing is the baby refers to the baby that they're deporting back to Mexico (sighs) without its parents
1: Uh, Rafael Sanchez chief counsel resigned from the agency effective Monday faces one count of aggravated identity theft and another of wire fraud As prosecutors with the Justice Department's Public Integrity Section allege that he stole the identities of seven people in various stages of their immigration proceedings. I don't even see the value in that. So not only are we going to throw these people out of the country, uh, ICE is also going to take their credit cards and, you know, run havoc with them. So that's fun.
0: If I were making the case to be a conservative politician today, it would be, I'm going to shrink the government by getting rid of ICE and by getting rid of TSA, and by getting rid of DHS, because they don't appear to be doing anything
1: very well. So national news is depressing. Let's switch to local news. Last week, we talked about some of the shenanigans going on at the Honolulu Police Department. Those mischief afoot. A really interesting article by Courtney Teague in Civil Beat talking about police reform uh, and a new bill that's coming through. Quote, Hawaii sets minimum standards for barbers, boxing event promoters, and private security guards But it's one of five states without such standards for law enforcement officers. When you say minimum standards, what do you mean? Essentially, every other state or 45 of these states have some sort of board that essentially regulates the officers and helps keep bad cops off the street.
0: Which seems like a thing you might want.
1: So Senator Sparrow, Willis Sparrow, has been pushing for a law enforcement standards board since Civil Beat first reported in 2013 that Hawaii was the only state without one.
0: Shout out Willis Sparrow, also a champion of the medical cannabis industry, if you remember episode two, legalize it.
1: Rep Scott Nishimoto, shout out him, my representative, kapahulu all day.
0: Super handsome. Uh, Most handsome rep in the legislature. He's a
1: good looking dude. Uh, Rep Scott Nishimoto, the Judiciary Committee Chair, introduced his own bill this year. He said, The current climate is ripe for this kind of reform. I think the public feels there's a need for it, and the legislators agree. The, bo- the bill would establish an eight-member board with the power to set minimum performance standards, training requirements, and continuing education. The board would, and the eight-member board would establish some standards and allow them to get rid of bad cops more easily. And you know, an understated part of police reform uh, needs to be also investing in social services. You know, right now, police—and this is not just in Hawaii, this is everywhere— uh, they're the primary way that the poorest members of society come into contact with the state. We expect them to be social workers. We expect them to be everything. But they're not. At the end of the day, they have to be you know, law enforcement.
0: And they they are tasked with very difficult decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a cop and you have to make a hair-trigger decision about how to defend yourself or whether to shoot, those are really, really tough calls that if you make the wrong decision, society, the court system, has no mercy for you. I mean, certainly there's some cases that are very notable about unarmed black men in this country over the last several years that have gotten a lot of notoriety but in general we believe that most cops are really truly trying to do the right thing and if they make the wrong decision in a split second it can cost them everything so
1: this board is an important step forward we can you know get rid of the bad apples and let the good apples hopefully become better apples
0: shout out again scott (gasps) nishimoto
1: Uh, this is uh, this is local news, but it's also national international news. Uh, Admiral Harry Harris, the head of the U.S. Pacific Command, at, up at Camp Smith. Just Paycom. Out, Paycom, up at Camp Smith, just outside Honolulu, uh, was nominated to be ambassador to Australia. Uh, so, listeners, uh, if you don't know, PACOM is essentially responsible for... Uh, what they call Bollywood to Hollywood, essentially the Pacific Ocean from India to California, and from polar bears to penguins, from the North Pole to the South Pole. It's a big area. It's a big area. It's a big job. That number one guy sits in Hawaii. Admiral Harry Harris, notable, he's taken a strong stand on China. He referred to their island building project as the Great Wall of Sand. Uh, He's also taken tough stances against North Korea. But what's a really good sign, hopefully, is that this is the first step in Donald Trump repairing his relationship with Australia that he got off to a really bad start with by essentially, you know, rant, you know, Donald Trump of great stamina got off a planned hour-long phone call after 15 minutes saying this was the worst call ever, blah, 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 blah.
0: With Malcolm Turnbull, who yeah. just seems to be a very pleasant, charming man.
1: Australian listeners, this may or may not be true. Please get in touch with us. We'd like to know more about your politics. We'd
0: love to know more about Malcolm Turnbull. Uh,
1: the Honolulu Zoo... Got three Japanese giant salamanders.
0: Which haunts my dreams.
1: They're actually pretty cute, though. Oh. Their names are Panda, Peace, and Maru. This is
0: Good names for a salamander. Shout
1: out Brandon Higa for bringing that to our attention. Thank you, Brandon. Also, the OIA and the ILH are planning a football merger. Which uh, is going to be awesome. KHUN Rob DeMello reporting. Uh, basically, this means public and private schools. It's on.
0: Uh Also, in local sports news, Punahou... Beat Kahuku last night to capture the boys' state basketball championship.
1: <sighs> well, we're less stoked about that, but you know our favorite alumnus of the Punahou basketball team,
0: Barack Obama, like a young
1: man named Barack Obama. At least he's smiling somewhere.
0: Yeah, he's probably happy. Chumgay, do you think he watches to see if Punahou wins the state championship? Still,
1: you know, I don't actually know. Like, if you read his autobiography, some people say like he may not have had the best experience. Punahou. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get into that. I know some people. Uh, get very sensitive about those conversations.
0: About if you if you speak
1: ill on the name of Punahou. That's all we'll say about that.
0: Punahouans are ready to go to war for that school. And that was the news in five more minutes. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Also listeners, we're going to start a new segment here called Mailbag. Mailbag? Ma- mailbag is where we take questions from you, of which
1: we have gotten many after our first four episodes. This week's question. Shout out friend of the show Gene Tanimoto. Getting in touch. Shout out, Gene. Gene says, "I heard today that 200,000 people from Puerto Rico have moved to Florida since the hurricane. Can you discuss how that might impact elections in 2018 and 2020?" Now, Gene, that's a great question. Fantastic you know, question. A lot of people are speculating uh, the resettlement of these Puerto Ricans is due gonna, to the absolute ineptitude of the Trump administration and the dealing federal government. Hurricane large, Maria, yes, might cause a blue wave, uh, especially in the relatively moderate Central Florida region where a lot of them are settling. That's Orlando, Tampa, places that you know, vote for Dems and Republicans, depending on the year. Nate Cohn in the New York Times, shout out to him. Shout out, Nate Cohn. Poor man's Nate Silver. the class
0: I, man's but, Nate Silver. But,
1: but I mean that as a compliment. Uh, he says in an article, there are no quick demographic fixes for Democrats. The except re- this one. Except for this. <laughs> where you fly 200,000 people. Now, he says essentially, up to, up to 300,000 people may be moving to Florida, but Nate Cohn says, to start, exclude the roughly 75,000 children based on the 24% of Puerto Ricans who were younger than 18 in the 2010 census. Uh, then consider how many eligible adults will actually register to vote. Let's generously assume that 57% will register by 2020, the same share of Hispanic adult citizens nationwide. Now, you'd assume, because of the way the federal government totally dropped the ball on them...
0: Made love to the pooch.
1: They'd be a little more motivated to get out there and register. Basically,
0: the, the long and short of it is... Anywhere from 114,000 to about 240,000 Puerto Ricans are estimated to be moving to the central Florida or to Florida generally over the next two years per annum. So that means up to anywhere from 228,000 to nearly 400,000 people could move there. Uh, if we assume roughly half of them are going to be registered to vote, that's about 200,000 at the maximum added to the electorate. Now, if we assume due to the complete mismanagement and Downright contempt for how things were handled in Puerto Rico, maybe an eighty percent lean. That is a one hundred sixty thousand to forty thousand blue to red split. Trump won Florida by hundred and fourteen thousand votes in sixteen. If you add those numbers together, the Dems come out ahead by about twenty to thirty thousand votes. Could so this so this Trump's complete and utter hate for brown people generally? could come back and cost him the election in 20 uh, with how he bungled Puerto Rico. Now,
1: if you want to be absolutely sure of that, uh, I think the Democrats need to get down to Florida and start registering people to vote. Uh, And it's easy. You know, any political ad, just show a loop of Trump throwing paper towels into the crowd over and over and over and over again.
0: Or criticizing the Puerto Rican governor. Yeah.
1: You know, it's not every day that you get to see real life in in the year of our Lord 2018 you get to see real life colonial neglect in action, and that's what that was. Yeah. So, thanks, Gene, for the question. Yeah, and just remember, everybody, Puerto Rico is eight hours sail from the United States. We're eight days away. This is why we need to, you know, make sure emergency prep is our priority. Because you think Donald Trump, like, obviously, well, we're the bluest state in the country. We're the bluest state. If in the something country. happens not, here,
0: yeah. he's not coming. We for didn't us. vote for
1: him. He didn't give a shit about us. No. Also on that note, best wishes to our brothers and sisters down in Tonga who are recovering from uh, their hit from Category 4, Cyclone Gita.
0: Pacific Islands, for those of you listening uh, back on the mainland, especially in my home state of Alabama, uh, hurricanes are a different intensity here, largely due to storm surge and construction quality. Our houses are not built the same way here that they're built back in Alabama. Very few bricks. uh, Things tend to be a lot, lot less insulation, more what we call single wall construction, which leads to in what you would call in the south a very flimsy home. Uh, when a category four storm hits, something with 100 mile an hour winds, we feel it. Things get blown away. And uh, it's very important to keep them in our thoughts and prayers, so. Amen. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.
1: We're gonna eat at Royal. Thai Garden. Royal. Thai Garden
0: out in Ewa Beach. I bet the Lord would eat there. Lord would totally eat at Royal Thai Garden in Eva Beach. You know who else would eat there? Everybody. Every single person because the Thai food is amazing. The Laotian food is amazing. The service is amazing.
1: The ambiance, amazing.
0: Really, really good. The food quality is excellent. A lot of their ingredients, I know for a fact, are actually farmed by them. This is a true semi-farm-to-table restaurant in Hawaii, and you're not paying farm-to-table prices. This place is delicious. Again,
1: Mention the Blue Hawaii podcast,
0: tell them we sent you, 20% off. 20%, Royal Thai Guard, get
1: there, eat it. Blue Hawaii. Welcome back, everybody. We're very excited to be joined this morning by Anthony Ching, who served as the Executive Director of the Hawaii Community Development Authority, also known as HCDA, from January 2008 through his retirement at the end of December 2015. He retired with over 30 years of service to the state of Hawaii. Before joining the HCDA, Mr. Ching was the Executive Officer of the State Land Use Commission And has held positions as the Deputy Director of Health, Environmental Ombudsman, and Senior Planner for the State Department of Health. During his tenure at ACDA, Mr. Ching oversaw the development plans for Kakaako, as well as the birth of the city's bike share program. Thanks so much for being with us.
2: Uh, Good morning. Good
1: morning. Um, Now just before, you know, some basic definitions... So when we talk about Kakaako, we're talking officially a 600-acre urban district with boundaries stretching roughly from Peekoy Street to Punchbowl Street and from King Street down to Almona Boulevard and the shoreline.
0: For those of you listening on the mainland, Kaka'ako is the redevelopment area in Honolulu right now, formerly very industrial, now is getting rapidly developed with um, condominiums, with restaurants, with bars, all sorts of watering holes and cool places. Uh, There is some concern among local residents, though, that a lot of the product, that is the housing being built, is built for people who don't necessarily live here or is being built and is out of the price range of people that live here. So... Given the boundaries of Kaka'ako, Josh, please continue. So,
1: let's start, you know, uh, this Monday's Star Advertiser Cover. The poor door is back in the news. Essentially, it seems every few months, you know, we've got another controversy uh, with some developer refusing to build affordable housing, rents being jacked up on seniors on fixed incomes. Are we relying too much on developers and high rollers to keep us afloat? Or
2: In Kaka'ako, uh, state development rules uh, require with very little exception um, that developers must provide 20% reserve housing for qualified income families. And so there is a regulatory requirement, not a reliance mm-hmm. that developers must produce housing for, with for qualified income families. So they don't get a choice in the matters. No choice.
1: Can you talk a little bit about you showed us the, the ladder of you know the different incomes, the different steps of affordable housing and what that might mean to different people.
2: Okay, for instance, Howard Hughes is building a village on 60 acres. And so the inclusionary zoning rules offer the developer the opportunity to build within the specific project, but is allowed to be within the neighborhood as long as it's within the boundaries of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in K Kilohana's case you have a 410 unit building 375 of those units are for reserve housing qualified income families the remainder of those units are for market sale okay so in this particular case uh, they're looking to satisfy both this project's requirement as well as have excess uh, reserve housing units that can serve to qualify for their other units that are being built within the project district
1: um you know a lot of our friend a lot of our friends we've heard from them and they say they looked at the affordable housing they looked at the numbers and what they what it said they were required to make or what they had to to get to a certain level and they said they they couldn't afford it. it affordable housing is not affordable to all people so what do you think can be done to either increase the amount of affordable housing or help those families find alternatives
2: okay um the qualification has to be is, is affordable to a family. I can afford to only pay 30%, 40% of my income towards housing. And when you contrast that to the rents in the area, that um, that's not sufficient to cover rents. Or does that mean that they lack a down, the necessary down payment mm-hmm. for a, a unit? So different types of questions. Mm-hmm. In terms of qualification, there were units that were offered as a function of the development Kakako, and it happened to be at Pagoda Terrace offsite. Mm-hmm. You could have bought a studio, fee simple, condo that's about four hundred square feet of living space and and perhaps a parking, which is small, <laughs> which is small, but you could have purchased that for a hundred thousand dollars. That's great. So. Wow. So technically, there were opportunities and there have been and snapped up quite quickly where you could purchase a unit just simply based on price. But when you determine affordability, you have to understand that the banks will always say to you that I have to take into account the mortgage interest rate that I'm going to charge you, the property tax that's there, common area maintenance fees if it's a condominium, and finally, mortgage insurance. Cause, and that comes into play, and it then it determines whether or not a person can actually purchase something. I mean, just the fact that mortgage insurance, it means that you likely put less than 10% down. And so you have to pay for the insurance because you don't have enough value in your loan. And so you have to pay this extra fee. For my daughter, it was $200 a month extra for a $400,000 starter home in Portland that she, she just picked up.
0: My wife and I owned a home in Atlanta, and it was the same thing. We so, had 200 a month. So the
2: variables month. of being able to afford, again, mm-hmm. you have to compute not just the purchase price, yeah. but you have to understand the property tax that you have to pay, any mortgage insurance, and any common area maintenance fee. So the notion is then that you'd have uh, a variety of opportunities. One, perhaps a subsidized rental unit, uh, such as Halecawila Place in Kaka'ako, Mm -hmm. 204 rentals, studios one, two, and three bedrooms, which are then set at subsidized rents. When you say subsidized, this is the
1: state government? Right,
2: because it was built with low-income housing tax credits, and it was built... To cater only to those making 60% of the area median income.
0: Which is, what's the area median income over there, or whenever it was built in ballpark?
2: So the ballpark, uh, 100% area med- median income, family of four is $86,900. So 60%, so 60% of that might be 60000 mm-hmm. or so mm-hmm. for a family of four. And your max rental for a three bedroom uh, unit in that project would be about 1400 and change which is very affordable which is from a rental standpoint very affordable so you have you have to have that diversity of options for people such as a rental situation like that and not a small unit but as i said that was for a Mm three-bedroom unit so that offers a family an opportunity to live so that's one opportunity you should have another opportunity that you would hope to have is that you might have low market or what we call workforce. Mm -hmm. So no, you make no more than 140% of the area median income. And so a two bedroom condominium in that kind of situation would have gone for perhaps, and hold on to your seats, about $425,000. That would be nice. For two bedroom condominium. That's like, where do I sign up for that? (laughs) So, That's so that's a different type of product. You obviously have to have desirable 10% down payment that might be $40,000 and change. Mm -hmm. And that you have the ability to make the again the um, mortgage payments each month and pay for the common area maintenance fees each month. And so, and that gives you a two bedroom type of situation. So, again, a variety of options a studio unit at 801 South which was considered to be workforce housing, went for, the low was $250,000. And it fluctuated maybe by $50,000 depending on the location in the building. Okay, so you can figure out the afforda- affordability if you just went on price. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a fee simple sale, but it's for a studio unit. So it would not be good for a family. Yeah so it would be good for a single person or a couple and that's probably their first home and they wanted the luxury of living in close proximity to the downtown area where they can forego some transportation costs where they can live in a community and for them their bedroom might be small and very modest 300 400 square feet kind of situation but the proximity to work, the fact that they're not in putting themselves in harm's way by engaging a mortgage that's over the top. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it allows, as millennials will, to make choices moving forward while still building some equity mm-hmm. that they could bootstrap themselves into a, a next their next situation where they're more settled. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, listeners on the mainland uh, may be slightly horrified to hear uh, Ryan and I salivating over a two-bedroom for four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Four hundred
0: twenty-five thousand dollars in the hometown that I grew up in would probably get you a six-bedroom, five-bathroom house on thirty-five hundred
1: square feet. That's and I'll post the Zillow listing on our Instagram yeah, page to verify yeah. that. Yeah. So just an idea: um, if you move out here, you may need to adjust your expectations.
0: Yeah. So getting into adjusting expectations and and it kind of takes you back to the the root issue. What do you think? What is the cause of our affordability crisis in our housing market here?
2: As I was growing up, each year, I would hear about developers building subdivisions mm-hmm. in the suburb and hundreds of homes being built each year. The fact of the matter is that if you were to take the number of building permits issued in Honolulu each year, I, they're in the hundreds. Yeah. Okay, But each year... Um, in terms of household formation, we have three to 5,000 new households being formed. So there's demand, new households being, but a shortage because there's not very many new developments. That means the current inventory, the pricing will go up.
0: Basically, it's a supply and demand issue. Right. Well, uh, how do you feel, uh, do you feel that the vacation rental market is cannibalizing some of the affordable potentially affordable or just general housing inventory that's on the market. Do you think Airbnb is playing into that? Cuz I mean, I've heard stories of people buying, you know, studios in Waikiki or and turning, them into and turning them into Airbnb and making, you know, thousands of dollars a month. And if you look at an affordable housing an affordable number say, you know, might be 1200 a month or 1000 a month for a studio, that's essentially $33 a night, uh, whereas you can get five times that on Airbnb.
2: Airbnb, which seeks to get a daily resort-oriented, more town kind of situation, are quite frankly, because they're studios, their hotel rooms, they're smaller, um, those will not attract or detract from the notion of families trying to take root. For sure. Mm. Families, why would I want to live in a a studio studio in Waikiki? Waikiki? Are you kidding me? That's the last place I want to be. Mm -hmm. I want some peace and quiet. I want a space to grow. And I want a community that is attractive. So really, if you're going to address the needs of a local family, Mm -hmm. then the variety in urban infill projects, multifamily units, which... Uh, then increase your density but do not take up a larger footprint Mm -hmm. in a community in in an established area which already has existing infrastructure feeds close to schools and and it's a community that's convenient for work Um, those are things that i i believe are an area where we must concentrate and ensure that while there might be luxury development that there is that variety both moderate income as well as uh, subsidized mm-hmm. projects to take place. You need that kind of variety. Forget about the luxury guys. They'll take care of themselves. So yeah. We're not worried about them. Now, I think the the other thing, though, to remember about affordable housing mm-hmm. is this. Banks dictate how much you can pay for housing, and and they won't give you the loan otherwise. Mm-hmm. Okay, So that part of our income stream is dictated. It's Mm -hmm. it's it's governed by us right or for us so where is the area that you can perhaps squeeze some efficiencies in someone's uh uh, income stream and it it lies in education and transportation you don't have to have two cars Mm -hmm. if you live in the city Mm -hmm. so you can choose then to forego $1,200 a year in car insurance Mm -hmm. and costs and whatever for that. And you can save potentially $10,000.
1: Gas is like 330
2: Yeah. So you could save if you you live in an urban infill project and you're able to cut down from, and you have a family of four, and you cut down from two cars to one, okay, then you save some money there. If you choose and you have available uh, public education, up to college you know so public education and versus private then you can again create this larger area in your um, life that can affect the quality of your life Mm -hmm. and such that whatever you're paying for the the housing it's more tolerable because then you still have other aspects of life that you can Mm -hmm. afford to partake in because there is more than life than just staying at home in the place that you and and being sheltered
0: yeah and in hawaii i would say i mean contrasting that to my experiences on the mainland people aren't home as much in hawaii as they are on the mainland because people are generally more active because uh, we use our public amenities more there's more people at parks there's people at the beach more Um, the weather's always fantastic here so people actually want to get outside and and go places so I, i think that is a excellent point I mean your life is bigger than your apartment or bigger than your your condo talking about um foregoing a second car and potentially like other other things that a lot of people would see as maybe in different parts of the country is essential to a modern life it seems like that goes hand in hand with density with building densely right. um Kaka'ako is a great first step we're we're doing our best to build close to where our job cores are downtown Waikiki Moana. Where do you see the next? What what is? I know I know we're, we're, it's probably premature, but where's the next Kaka'ako?
2: Well, actually, if you look at it now, within the 600 acres that is Kaka'ako now, the current population is about 10,000 people. So
1: full time re- these are full time residents yes. who their primary place is
2: somewhere in Kakako. Right. Okay. There's also a good number of small businesses in the area, but anyway, 10,000 projected um in 20 years to be 30,000 so i'll suggest to you that even after that mm-hmm. there is um still ability to grow more sure in terms of density if the next space that's well serviced by infrastructure uh, or and, and it's proximate to employment uh would be um and it's been noted before makali moiliili mm-hmm. and so that's an area close to the university there has an existing housing stock that is ripe for turnover. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: the, the, the low, like one-and-two-story concrete right. low-rises.
2: Or single-family dwellings actually mm-hmm. still there. Mm-hmm. And so it's relatively, um, from a density standpoint, is low. Like Kaka'ako, though, it's a mixed-use district, which mm-hmm. I think is important. You're not creating suburbs, mm-hmm. exclusive residential enclaves. You're creating opportunities where business... And life uh, can take place. The whole notion of uh, Kakako as a community, so not just as a place where there's condos and and stuff like that, is that it, there would be multimodal opportunities for people to see Kakako as a destination, uh, as a shopping place, as a place of employment, as a place of residence, and then articulating to and from that you have multiple options for again transportation more communities uh, we we have to embrace the notion that uh, street living is good and the variety is there and that it's cool to come by bike Mm -hmm. it's cool to come by motorcycle moped uh, or a car share or uber you know so it's cool to make transportation or take choices in transportation that don't wedge you to the car mm. and its costs and produces a style of life that i think um people w- can can appreciate street living where we want to live do you think that the idea of maybe
0: reducing parking allocations on developments is, is part of that do you think that what can we do to redesign to make the city more pedestrian friendly
2: well it, it does go to um a little less reliance on the Euclidean form of zoning, which emphasizes clustering of compatible uses, um, and it shifts to the notion of form-based code, transit-oriented development, pedestrian-oriented development, where you create active streetscapes, which are more catering to the pedestrian and catering to sidewalk storefronts instead of big boxes where and strip malls where you have a, you need a bunch of parking. Okay, so changing the built environment to emphasize and uh, support pedestrian oriented development and the new form of residential living where you know your community and you're not just going from stoop and lock your door real quick to your to a subway or, or anything else. And that you have a active and vibrant neighborhood that supports biking, which puts more people there, which supports public transportation, which puts more people on the street. Uh, so, yes, that is uh, um, certainly the way to go. Vancouver, notably, uh, has made uh, a conscious decision not to build highways through the city. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're serviced by the subway and their rail they're serviced by public transportation you make conscious decisions then in the types of development that you have which are not just castles Mm -hmm. but rather than they have openings and opportunities which you are considered valuable and so you change the value of the community from privacy Isolation and just a picture of oh this is my castle and you change into you're part of a community where it's multi-use. There's a bunch of things happening. There's a lot of energy happening. You're serviced by public transportation. You're not defined by the value of your bedroom. Instead, you're valued by that you're a person on the street that wants to exchange and live life in your community. This is a just I think this just one question I want to shoot
1: from the hip from because I don't actually know the answer or anything about the topic, really.
0: But That's okay. That's most of the
1: show. Yeah. Um, what do you think and what do you see? Essentially, um, I've seen a, a couple of legislators have talked about introducing the idea of rent control into Honolulu. Is that something that could work? That would absolutely not work? Is that something that gives you pause? Something that excites you?
2: Although I worked for government, I'm not certain... Um, I have the that we I have confidence that we can effectively and efficiently put out a rent control model at mm-hmm. this point. Shot's fired. No I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you ordered <it> here first. <laughs> and so I I believe that while that's something that might happen, uh there is rent control as forms of rent control in San Francisco and New York. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be hard here. Um I I would and and I think there'd be an over reliance on feeling oh if we take care of rent control um uh, this this will be good actually in Hawaii there's not a great deal of rental housing stock mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so controlling and expecting that that small percentage that actually is rental housing stock that this can do it uh, I'm not, I'm not convinced okay. how do we how do we
0: incentivize building more rental product because i i sort of see the same thing i think what's the mandate Twenty five thousand units of affordable housing is what the state mandate was and we're not even going to come close to that i mean where where does this where does this terminate at because we're building 20 percent here 20 percent there but we're like you said we're outpacing the affordable housing stock five times over in terms of household formation
2: every year right so uh, again uh, for people to expect government to write a big check and wave a magic wand and efficiently somehow produce thousands of units, I think you're smoking something. Oh, that's and, not how it works?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's why, That's why. I mean, you know, the rail and, Yeah, and, and, should be done any day now, right?
2: Yeah. Okay, so I believe that, okay, so any solution is that, again, government should have a plan um, and they should stick to it so that businesses can consistently say, okay, let's do it. World economy and interest rates are decent now, still yet, okay, and banks are willing to loan, okay, while we have this opportunity, let's not try to scare the scare away developers by saying, oh, boy, if I load you up with more requirements, I'm going to look good. And it doesn't work for anybody. Mm-hmm. So I think reason has to prevail, and we have to have incentives um, where we are not so rigid From a government standpoint and that we produce, we we take comfort that our community plans will see fruition and that, but we need people to be able to live in it, you know, to then to make it all work.
0: One final question for me and Josh, maybe you have more, but one of the criticisms I've heard a lot is that the product that's being built uh, at least the stuff that's that's flashy and looks good, the Anahas, the Waieas, um, the Symphonies, and even some of the Condotel projects that are starting to get built in Waikiki, they're getting purchased, but the units are sitting empty. And people are sort of skirting the resident permanent resident loophole. Uh, and notably, the criticism that I've heard uh, within the real estate community is it's all getting bought up by Japanese billionaires to park their money. I wanted to see if you could speak to that if if that's something that you've seen when that you saw at the HCDA or if that's uh an issue in your mind.
2: You know that's a legitimate concern. I think that uh when we try to test and monitor and we note the zip codes of the selling uh or I'm sorry the buyers for um the projects like Waihonua and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, it was noted that very few reflected foreign ownership. That's not to say it doesn't happen because they might buy through agents with a local zip code. Mm -hmm. So is that possibly happening? And the answer is sure. You'd be a fool to believe that um, certain units wouldn't be ideal for the foreign investor. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that you have to note is I think the local investor, is very savvy I agree with you and so I think I'm not so much worried about the uh, foreign guys because they're, they're gonna buy wherever they want because they just say oh how much is it then they write a check that's yeah. a great point you know but don't I don't have think, to think twice I think that the local investor here is no dummy and so they might have a home in Kailua they might have you know a family home someplace else and they say hey that unit it's in a growing area. I can take the jerk and yes, I'll, I buy it. If I hold it for one year and the interest rates go up and they stop building or the laws change, I could turn this around, you know, even on a moderate income basis and make a couple hundred thousand.
0: Which is exactly what's happening at projects like Symphony, where they're seeing like a 20% year over year price increase. So people so, are buying them and then flipping them a year later, having done nothing to them right. for 20% more. Wow. So.
2: So the local investor, I think, is more of a problem because they know the local market and yeah. they can pick up the So they're going in one direction. And they, and they say, hey, I know that one. That's a good project. I've been in it. I know who lives in it or whatever. I'm going to get there first because everybody in Hawaii, including myself, was taught that you bootstrap your real estate equity. You start small and you keep on going and you keep on going. And... If you're successful, why would you stop? Mm-hmm. So the local investor is probably more, t- to me, responsible for the, the, the dark dark lights and some of the inflation because this is an opportunity for them to make money. I just hope they give it to their, their kids so that they can put down on their own or they ultimately give it to their kids. But see, that's our market-based Economy and real estate market. I mean, what are you gonna say? Don't make money. Don't make a wise move. Um, tough call, Mr. Anthony Ching. Thank you so much for joining us. Any final thoughts? It's a tough situation. Uh, so everybody, not in Hawaii, stay home. Don't don't move to Hawaii. <laughs> <Yeah>. Come <'cause laughs> on you're, vacation. You're, <laughs> spend, your, spend your money <laughs> and then go back. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's it's you know what? Um, it's a it's a insidious problem. That's going to affect my five kids, and it's going to affect generations. And we want to create the best possible community. And I think we welcome the kind of diversity uh, that makes our country great, I think. But it means that together we have to pull towards solutions versus expecting that one sector of the economy, a developer, the rich developer, Profit-seeking developer has to pay it all. No, government, community have to be clear about what is wanted and needed. We have to be fair to the developers and people that build. We have to insist that our, um, our state monies or government monies are used to build and effectively in those places where only the state money can work for, those, the, for the public housing, for the subsidized rental places. Those are things that we should be doing. And then together we'll find a way through this. Anthony Ching, a former executive director of the Hawaii
0: Community Development Authority and the most legit guest we will probably ever have. Thank <laughs> you very Hawaii much. Hawaii Podcast. Blue Blue White. White.
1: White. H. Hops.
0: O. Organization.
1: M. Man, it's easy to make beer.
0: E. Eek, I'm
1: going down to homebrewing
0: paradise, y'all go buy all your beer supplies if you're brewing the beer go buy all your wine supplies if you're making the wine at homebrew in paradise there's literally no other place on island to get it if you're the type of person who's like maybe i'll just buy it online let me tell you why you don't because they sell you crappy kits and you can't ask them questions going down there and asking someone an actual question hey how do i do this hey i'm at this step in the process what's going on Those guys will sit down with you and take you step-by-step through what's going on. They won't let you fail. Mr. Ching, would you be willing to stick around for our shout-out segment?
1: Sure, no problem. Great. All right, let's do some (laughs) shout-outs. Shout-outs! Shout-out Team USA. Team USA. Team USA is killing it, uh, especially the teenagers, Mame Baini, Chloe Kim, so also shout-out Lil Yachty, king of the teens. Uh, And also, it's interesting to note Uh, This Olympics, the children of immigrants We got people, Nathan Chen, Mirai Nagasu uh, The children of immigrants are doing more for Team USA And for America's reputation than Donald Trump ever will So that's nice USA
2: USA, definitely
1: (laughs) Uh, Shout out this week
0: to the weather here in Honolulu We had a couple of really rainy days and got kind of gloomy But now it's just been incredibly perfect Exceptional, one might say
1: Shout out to uh, Uninterrupted's segment, Rolling with the Champion, uh, where Carrie Champion from ESPN interviews athletes while driving an Uber around. So this week, uh, in anticipation of the NBA All-Star Game this Sunday, she interviewed LeBron James and Kevin Durant. And they, uh, beautiful interview, maybe like 20 minutes long, the the full range, free-flowing topics, talking about life in the NBA, life as an athlete, life as a celebrity, living in Donald Trump's America, growing up, single mom experience. You know, discovering how to you know raise a family, fatherhood, the whole nine yards, uh, and of course, Laura Ingram comes back and tells LeBron James, "Shut up and dribble."
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare criticize our president. Yeah.
0: Nothing to add to stick, that one.
1: Stick to sports.
0: Shout out to uh, after this interview, all the developers who are trying to do things the right way and actually help with the affordable housing crisis in Hawaii, because uh, there is definitely an economic component, and we recognize that Everyone is for the most part, trying to do their best. So shout out to them.
1: Shout out to Black Panther, uh, which I'm going to go see at 250 at Ward Theater. We already got the comfy seats reserved, and I'll be reporting back next week.
0: Uh, And then let's do some restaurant shout outs. Oh, Who's your restaurant shout out this week? My restaurant shout out of the week is... The same as my restaurant the shout oh, out of the week. what a
1: coincidence. What is shouting, that restaurant? <laughs>
0: we're shouting out Royal Thai Garden in, in Ewa Beach, Beach.
1: 96706.
0: This place is phenomenal. Shout out to Jojo Sayavong, friend of the show. We went out to Royal Thai Garden last Sunday after our homebrew excursion day at Homebrew in Paradise. Shout out Homebrew in Paradise. Go there for all of your homebrewing needs. Uh, We had the Masamon curry. We had the cashew chicken. We had the uh, garlic butter shrimp, which are, I hate, I know, look, I'm a highly guy saying this, they're better than the garlic shrimp in Kahuku. And Strong words. I know. Look, I know. I know. And we also had the Pad Key mao Phenomenal meal. As well as the Summer Rolls and...
1: I think that was it. And that was it. Mention the Blue Hawaii podcast. Tell them we sent you. You'll get twenty percent off your order.
0: Twenty percent. Just walk in the door. Tell them Blue Hawaii. You heard about us. You heard about the restaurant there. Yeah. And they will give you twenty
1: percent off just for saying our name. Just like twenty percent is the ideal uh, set aside for affordable housing. Twenty percent ideal discount.
2: A shout out for um, Pig and a Lady, where I just had uh, lunch yesterday. Hey, um, I
1: was at Piggy Smalls yesterday too. Picking the ladies, excellent. Yeah, yes, they so, do good work.
2: Good work. And tonight I'm going to go to Vinos Hawaii, hey. a great tapas bar with a great wine at reasonable prices.
0: Shout out Anthony Ching's restaurant tastes, yeah, which he's, are
2: he's keeping it a little classier next than we usually level. do. level. Yeah. This is so
1: good.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else? Anything else oh, you want to add?
1: I have one shout out uh, to the Notre Dame. A university football team having to vacate their 2012 and 2013 wins. And I would like to point out during my one semester where I attended the great school known as Boston College, I was fortunate enough to see uh, Boston College shut out the Notre Dame Fighting Irish 17 to 0. Jimmy Clawson got sacked approximately 18 times. Uh, so when I saw this news that they had to vacate all those wins because of academic mis- misconduct, I thought, you know, that poor team, they already had to live through the death of Mantai Teo's girlfriend. Now they got to go through this.
2: Oh, that hurt.
1: It's a tough world out there.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks again to Mr. Anthony Ching, and hope to see you next week.
1: Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.